I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. All right. Welcome into another edition of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm your host, Scott Strandy, live here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com family. Brought to you by Sprint, where you get uh, better deals and the best network. College Bar and Grill at their new location at 740 South Mill Avenue. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. New name, but same award-winning taste. Oxypow, the uh, natural way to uh, clean and deodorize. Jesse Ray's Barbecue up in Las Vegas, Nevada, the People's Choice Award-winning. And uh, all can be found at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, as well as from our friends at M-Drive, uh, our friends over at the Ice 10 Scottsdale and Chandler, our friends up behind the mask, taking care of the hockey community in the Valley for uh, more than 25 years. And of course, Oceanside Ice Arena, the home of the Arizona State Sun Devils. As we get ready to roll into episode number two tonight, we've got a big show for you. We're talking uh, ACHA D1 hockey. We have the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils in rivalry week against U of A. And tonight we're bringing on the uh, University of Arizona head coach, Chad Berman who's already clinched a spot his team has in the uh, national tournament in Dallas, Texas, via their uh, convincing uh, conference title win that uh, uh, won back-to-back -back titles, basically. So we've got uh, both of them both of them that way. Um, we're uh, we're going to be going out and uh, visiting with uh, Coach Berman, get his thoughts on what's going on. we got... My co-host, Stephen Marsh, up in Las Vegas, coming on with me in just a minute or two. In the meantime, though, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Arizona State uh, women's hockey team, which is headed on their way tomorrow to Utah to play in their second um, conference tournament, looking for a chance to try to advance to a national tournament for their very first time in their program. Three wins will get them there, and they'll be on their way to Dallas for the very first time. So congratulations to uh, Lindsay Ellis and the ASU women's hockey team as well. Here on Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, though, our focus is on ACHA D1 hockey. They have uh, four great teams here in the desert southwest. Unfortunately, Grand Canyon in their very first year is uh, not going to be going on into the national tournament bid. But when we look at the other three teams, the University of Arizona, Arizona State University, and University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV, they all will be uh, looking at bringing themselves into the national tournament in Dallas, Texas in about two weeks. And right now i got my co-host with me, Stephen Marsh. Stephen, how are you this evening? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of days, and we'll, we'll talk more about that at the end of the show today. But, but it's good to be on with you and, and talk some hockey. To, you know, it's always, a, it's always a good thing. So, Well, I think we can start off by telling folks just a little bit about what you've been going through. You lost a great uncle uh monday correct yeah monday night he uh we were 
we were all out having dinner. We came back and uh, home, and then uh, he had a heart attack and, uh, and was a- wasn't able to revive him. And so, yeah, so, and he ended up passing uh, away that evening. Well, so. our thoughts and prayers are with you, Stephen. I know it's a tough thing to deal with, and I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully this will uh, ease the pain just a little bit for an hour or so as we talk ACHA uh, club hockey. I know you've been busy because you uh, are with the UNLV program and probably would have been with them had not been for the untimely death yep, of your great I was, uncle. Yeah, I was scheduled to go with them. They they invited me to go with them this week uh, to them, but then when this happened, obviously I canceled that to be here. But but uh, yeah, it's uh, they got busy uh, three days coming up here in, in Colorado. Uh, some important games, even though the end of the season's coming. These are some important games for position, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a few minutes. But absolutely. Well, it's also a big weekend for uh, Arizona State and U of A as they uh, do battle down in Tucson. It'll be their final two games of the regular season, a rivalry week, and it's a tight one. It's a really tight one. If Arizona State wins or goes to overtime in any of the two games, either of the two games, I should say, they will get the Cactus Cup away from the University of Arizona. So tonight we've got a special guest coming on with us. We've got Chad Berman at the University of Arizona, the head coach who's going to jump on and, and talk a little bit about his team and the eight seniors that he has and all of that good stuff. Before we get into that, though, let's recap uh, what happened up your way at uh, at UNLV last weekend with the uh, Rebels. Sure. So it was it was the last home games for UNLV. They, they had uh, two games against uh, Oakland uh, University, Oakland, not California University, Oakland and Michigan uh, University. Right. And it was uh, Saturday was uh, was senior night for them. They honored uh, three seniors: uh, Jake Sack, uh, Tristan Mayer, and uh, Eric Idison, uh, the goaltender who's been with them for for four years or so. And uh, Friday was a was a good night for them. They they got down early uh, to Oakland, but came back and scored four goals, unanswered goals in that first period. Uh, Paxton Malone, their leading uh, goal producer, got uh, a couple of goals. Then um, Jake Sachs, who we mentioned, uh, one of the seniors, he got a goal. And then uh, Jared Erickson got a shorthanded goal. It was 4-1, to and then Oakland scored in that first period. So it was six goals in that first period, and then things kind of settled down a bit, and and uh, UNLV scored again in the second period, Sachs getting his second of the, the game power on the power play, and then and then UNLV was able to uh, add one in the third. Oakland also got one for a 6-3 uh, to three uh, final score, and then the next night, the senior night, and uh, it just wasn't UNLV's night. They had a lot of chances. They were getting the puck around, but just the puck was bouncing, wasn't bouncing their way. It was maybe the passing wasn't as crisp as it was the night before, and even the even the game on Friday. I talked with the assistant coach Nick Raboni after the game, and and uh, they were happy they got the win, but. They weren't uh, pleased, and of course we had Coach Vigneri Greener on our show earlier last week and talked about how some of the practices weren't what they were hoping it would have been after that great weekend they had against Arizona State uh, that propelled them up to 13 in the rankings. Um, so Oakland took advantage. They, Of course, it was their last game of the season. They were motivated. They made some adjustments from the night before and got out to a 2 nothing lead, and then, and then uh, UNLV was able to fight back in the game and uh, tie it up. Uh, Early in the third period, with the uh, goal by Brendan Manning, and then, and Oakland kind of 
finish things off in the third period with three unanswered goals, including a power play goal and an empty net goal. And that made it a uh, 5-2 to two final score. So with that, UNLV 19-13-1. They finished their home portion of the schedule at 15-6. and six. And the new rankings came out today, and they didn't move anywhere. They stayed the same. So they split with Oakland. It was essentially, you know, we look at goal differential apart. It was essentially an even weekend there because, you know, UNLV won 5-2 to two the night, or 6-3 to three on Friday, and then lost 5-2. to two, So that made it essentially an 8-8 eight to eight there. So um, they kind of stay where they are, and they're right there on that cusp of being in that top 12, which is what the UNLV program wants to get into to kind of avoid having to play that extra day. So it's important games this weekend against some teams that they should be able to beat if they play their best, and... And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, they stay at 13, so that's good. And they're going to be in the tournament more than likely as long as uh, they just take care of business this week. It's just a matter of how far up higher can they really get in the rankings at this point. Great point. Um, when we look at Arizona State, they, they went up to Utah and got a sweep and rebounded after uh, what happened to them up at UNLV. So that helped them out a little bit. They advanced up to number 17 in the rankings. But, Stephen, when I look at the uh, – the three teams that are really rolling in the desert Southwest right now, and no offense to Grand Canyon, they're in their first year and, and, and went through some first year struggles, but played some teams really tough. But you got Arizona sitting at eight in the, uh, the rankings at 23, four and three. And you got number 13 UNLV at 19, 13 and one. So you figure if you get three wins up there in Colorado, now all of a sudden you've got 22, 13 and one. Yeah. And then you look at Arizona State and at number 17, and they're 23-9-1 with two games to play. So you, you potentially are going to have three teams from the Desert Southwest that have more than 22 wins. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. And, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because UNLV has 13 losses, and you know they had that that rough stretch in the middle of the season where they lost uh, nine in a row or winless in nine. One of them was an overtime loss, but, and, you know, and it just, but that's really the second half of the season since they've come back from that semester break, they got the goaltender, you know, they got David Anderson in goal and that's really helped re-energize this team. And they've, they've put on quite a second half, but um, if they can win the three games, 22 wins, that's still going to be more than they had last season. They've played more games this year than they did last year, but uh, that's still going to be, uh, definitely a step in the right direction that they were able to, to get to 22 wins. And uh, I, I think that's that's pretty, you know, if you get to 20 wins in a season, then, then that's that's pretty good. So um, they're, they're one away from that. But obviously they want to win all three games, and, and it'll look good for uh, see if they can get any more positioning than the in the rankings. Arizona State, you know, they they have to kind of, they're right there kind of on that cusp. They're, 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 they're very much to, on the cusp. <laughs> the, the wins in Utah definitely helped them. They got back into, I think, 17 or I think it was. But yes, yeah. um, And so if they can win against Arizona, and obviously we're going to talk about how the significance of these games, but um, they probably may get a spot in, in the tournament for sure. And, and Arizona, of course, is, is locked in being the WCHL champion. So just a matter of how high they can still climb. So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, some, it's definitely exciting time for club hockey here in the in the desert southwest for sure. Yeah, when we look at club hockey all over uh, the Division One rankings, you look at some of these teams like Adrian holding down the number one spot at twenty-five and two, Liberty at twenty-nine and four. I mean, that's some pretty impressive uh, numbers that that are thrown around out there, and it really talks, I think, to the uh, the uh, competitiveness of 
ACHA hockey and just how these teams are battling each other. But you had a chance to see Oakland. I know they were uh, ranked down a little bit below you guys at UNLV, but when they come from the East like that, what did you think of the uh, the play from Oakland? How, how did they compare with UNLV and, and ASU and U of A, the teams that you've seen? Yeah, Oakland uh, it was definitely a little bit of a different uh, style. I think, uh, you know, Nick, Coach, assistant coach Nick Ramoni kind of said they were a little bit gritty, and they and they were. They seemed to be, you know, they kind of they were getting their their sticks in there. They were blocking shots a lot more definitely on the Saturday game for sure, and and uh, and being a little bit bit rough. Friday was a little bit interesting because, you know, they were they would go down a couple of times and and they were trying maybe to sell some penalties or something. They the the referees kind of had to warn them and say, hey, you guys need to not embellish some of these things. They were they were claiming that a hard hit and then. One player did get hurt, and then the second went down, and I guess was trying to was trying to get a penalty call or something. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a different style of play from the. You know, we saw that early in the season when they played a team like Stony Brook. You know right. that, and, and, and you know that was such a, a crazy series, and and that's just the different the different style of of play. Um, so, but you know, I think it's it's good. I mean, Oakland's not a team that's not going to be in the in the tournament. But I was reading a little bit through the They had a pretty pretty good season. Had last season, so um, it was an improvement for them. But this late in the season, yeah, they're not a tournament team, but maybe that style is going to be more of what you'll see in the tournament. And so if they can kind of get some, you know, kind of a wake up call and realize, okay, well, you know, we can play. We need. To, we're going to probably play teams that are going to play similar to that. That might help them too when it comes time for the uh, the national tournament. So it was, it was. I think it was good to play a team like Oakland late in the season. That's not. A team that you play on the West Coast, but maybe a more of an of a Midwest East type team. So that I think that that's an advantage there. You know, when we get uh, Coach Berman on, we'll we'll talk to him a little bit about the rankings because it's kind of crazy the way it is it, set up on the computer rankings. So if you program like you are in most sports, you look at win loss record, you look at things like that. That that might determine positioning in a tournament, but. The computer rankings are so important. They're the sole focus of this ranking system. And, you know, you look at a team like Minot State in at number five, and they're a really good hockey team, but they're 15-4-3. So they played far fewer games than a lot of other teams out there. And yet, as a matter of fact, when I look down the list of the top uh, 11 teams, they're the only team that doesn't have 20 wins, but they only have four losses and three ties. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's real interesting. You know, I always kind of joke with people. I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe they get a high high spot in the rankings. I said, well, maybe you need to just cancel the rest of your games and not and not uh, not play anymore because it seems like you you have a better chance than to actually play more games and maybe get blown out or something. But uh, you know, it's 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 real interesting that yeah, and like I said, UNLV's a team that's you know when you look at the top twenty five. They're one of the only teams that has double-digit losses in the in the top twenty-five, but yet because they played such a, I guess you know such a strong schedule, they were in a lot of close games with uh, with a lot of top teams, and they've had some blowout games and, and a lot of their wins. And because they've gotten nineteen wins, they're they're as high as they are. So I guess you look at that. But I think you know the computer rankings. They kind of there's two different ones, and I guess part of that is an average of the two. I know at one point UNLV was as high as I think nine or something on one and 20 so i guess it kind of averages i don't know but 
still trying to figure out how it works exactly, but yeah, don't don't work too hard on that because yeah. I've been trying that for a number of years and have have no clue how they come up with what they come up with. But mm -hmm. the uh, the really neat part about it is is the growth I think here in the desert southwest. As I've said before, you know, five years ago when I started this company and I I wanted to focus on college and professional hockey and and U of A had just gotten Coach Berman on board and they were down and and you know at UNLV Anthony and Z and and uh, Nick were just taking that program over and they were at the D2 level and climbing and Danny Roy at Grand Canyon was in, in the beer league, basically, just trying to figure out if he had enough kids to form a team. And ASU would have been the dominant team, but they were actually down because of the fact that, that they'd just come off a national championship and had started an NCAA team. So in five short years, all of a sudden we look at three teams that are dominant and, you know, when we get Coach Berman on and we talk about his, his lineup, he's got eight seniors that are going to go out this year, and that's far and away. I mean, ASU's got one, Grand Canyon had two, and you guys had three. So, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy, and it's cyclical. You know, things just go around and around. Yeah, eight seniors, that's like a third of their roster that they're going to lose this year. So that's going to be a busy offseason for them to try to, to recruit some more uh, players. You know, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries Arizona has to this point, and now they're going to have to deal with the fact that they're going to lose eight, eight of their players. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they, how the offseason goes for them and, and what they do to, to bring in some players to take. That's, that's a lot of uh, people they're going to lose. So it's, it's going to be a busy uh, offseason for the, for the coaching staff and over there to try to get players to come and to continue to play as well as they, they have the last few years. You know, and then when you look at uh, ACHA hockey, and obviously that is a stepping stone that ASU used to move up to NCAA, and of course everybody wants to bring UNLV into the NCAA level, and they're pushing at U of A, and they're pushing at, at, um, at you know, Grand Canyon, and all of those schools to try to make the jump, Utah, Oregon, you name it. One of the teams in, in ACHA D2 hockey that just continues to stay there is a former NCAA program at Northern Arizona University. They're again playing some pretty good hockey up there in Flagstaff with uh, the D2 level, but it seems like they just really have no desire to move into the, the D1 level, and I don't know if they just aren't comfortable with the, uh, the fact that they can recruit enough D1 players up there, but you know, if you could get NAU on board and you had you know another team down here, that would really help out the conference, wouldn't it? Yeah, it I think it, yeah, I would. I mean, if you could get more teams to to come in and uh, and help out, and uh, it would definitely it would definitely uh, definitely be a better situation for everybody. Yeah, when I look at at what these teams are doing right now, and that's another uh, side sidelight story. Basically, is the fact that UNLV and Grand Canyon are coming aboard in the WCHL next year, so they're going to add uh, to a conference and. You talk to Coach Powers here at ASU, and the first thing he says is a conference is a good thing because it gives your guys a chance to win something, right? Try to win a title in the beginning of the uh, the year or whatever you can do uh, it, and build for something without having to win a national championship. You can still be successful. And I know UNLV did a lot of that as well. So, well, I think we got Coach Berman on. Let's uh, give me one second here. We'll plug him in and bring him on board to us. Coach Berman, are you with us? Coach Berman, are you with us? 
Well, I can I can see he's online. I just haven't gotten him on. Hello. Yeah, there he is. Hey. hey, Coach, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Scott and Stephen Marsh with me here. You know Stephen probably from the UNLV land. And, sure. and I'm going to apologize to you straight up front because I know when I say club hockey selfless weekly, you want to <laughs> probably punch me in the face because you hate that word club. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I couldn't get the ACHA to give me that, that right to call it the ACHA hockey selfless weekly. Yeah. So, uh, so club it is, but welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. Okay, Stephen and I were just talking about your program and the fact that you got eight seniors that are going to play their last home games this weekend. It's rivalry weekend for you guys against with uh, ASU and at the Cactus Cup squarely on the line. What's this week been like for you guys? Uh, it's been a really good week. Honestly, there, there was a major shift in our focus starting in the second semester, and I think we've been kind of building since then. Um, and so I feel like we're playing good hockey. Uh, I think we're building and, and getting uh, approaching peaking at the right time. Um, and so it's been a very focused week. Um, it's not hard to get up for this game, and especially with the way things went the last time we saw them, I think uh, we got humbled a little bit. And that can be a good thing. And so um, best way I can describe our group right now is just humble and hungry. So when you talk uh, about your roster right now, those eight seniors, um, how is the help of that roster? Some of those guys have been down for a little while, and some some you lost for uh, for the whole year. But how do you stand right now going into this week? Uh, yeah, pretty banged up. Um, <laughs> you know, we uh, you tell we me got, that every time I see you. <laughs> it's, well, it's because it hasn't changed since November. I mean, I'm not telling you November. I've never had it like this, and it just honestly hasn't let up. I mean, we're we're at seven inactive. Um, and we got a kid on an off weekend who had an injury, a uh, defenseman of ours. It's important um, that uh, it looks like he's going to be going into surgery on next on Monday. Uh, so it's probably going to be an eighth inactive. It's just kind of been how the season's gone. But I uh, absolutely give my my crew full credit. My my players there. They uh, we've we've talked a lot about adversity and how we are choosing to look at adversity. And this is from day one. Um, how we are choosing to look at adversity as opportunity, uh, and as a result, I think we've been able to fight through a lot of adversity, and uh, really proud of the way my group fights. Yeah, yeah, what does it say, Coach Brown? What does it say about your team that you know, even though you've had all these injuries this season and you've you've had to battle through that, that you guys are still where you are, one of the top teams in the rankings there in the in the uh, in the ACHA. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got to have depth. I don't, I don't think that's any secret in this league. If you're going to – everybody gets injured. I'm sure if you talk, call Tate, he's got injuries. And over there at UNLV, they've got injuries. I mean, it's just a part of, of college hockey. And so you better have depth. So um, those guys that were frustrated, they weren't getting an opportunity in the early in the year are getting their opportunity to prove me wrong. And that's a good thing. It creates a lot of good competition. Um, but I think really what it speaks to – is you got to have great leadership to get through the rocky moments of a season. And, and as you mentioned, I've got a lot of seniors, um, and they're guys who have been a part of this thing as it's grown and, and what it's become. Uh, and they're defending champs, right? So, I mean, they've, they've, they've gone through enough to learn how to win. Um, and I think without our captains and our leadership group, and, and there's leaders beyond our captain group there, um, without them, this, uh, this is a lot rockier ride. But uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting year, to say the least. So how important, Coach, was it for you to have uh, a little time off now in preparing for this weekend against ASU, uh, maybe heal some minor bumps and bruises, but how important was that in your schedule to be able to have a little time off? Um, you know, I, w I wish it was at a different time. This is the time where you want to be building. So 
I mean, again, we'll focus on the opportunity of that. And to me, the opportunity, as you touched on, is to heal some of those bumps and bruises. Unfortunately, the majority of our injuries are pretty much set for the season. So we're not going to gain a lot of bodies back to this. But maybe we uh, uh, do heal the minor stuff. And that's always good. Um, you know, the first period, we'll, we'll look forward to resetting. We've gotten a week and a half of ice here now since the gym show uh, with a lot of time to pay close attention to ASU. And um, quite frankly, this kind of works out schedule-wise. Very interesting from my perspective because it's like a three-week gap where we had two weeks off and then we go in and play ASU. Well, that's exactly how this is going to go for the national tournament. So to me, this is great preparation for what we're about to reset and do again. So we've, we've treated this weekend like it's a national tournament. Um, and we want to build and repeat that uh, process going in the Nationals that you hear after the weekend. And and you look at you look at these games against Arizona State, and I, I'm based out in Las Vegas, so I, I kind of follow. But you know, tell people about the the rivalry between these two schools. Maybe for people that don't quite understand how important these two games are, Scott's been explaining it to me, but in the viewers. But just from from a coach's perspective, you guys are already in the national tournament. You guys are already, you know, you've already won the WCHL, but. Is it almost more important these two games and to try to get that cactus cup for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. It's always goal number one. Um, you know, we don't like them. They don't like us, and that's how we prefer it. Um, it's fun. It's physical. Um, there's a lot on the line. Oftentimes, it's more of an emotional battle than it is physical. Um, uh, but this is what you play for, and um, this is what you come to the University of Arizona for because you're going to play in front of 4,000, 5,000-plus people here this weekend per night. Uh, you know, we could be playing in front of eight, ten thousand people here in a weekend, um, and and the, the the entire city gets behind us, and um, obviously it means a lot to them, and, and we understand that. So it wouldn't matter if this was a ping pong match; people would be invested just because of, of the two schools and the history that, that exists there. Well, we know that you're going to have uh, your senior night Saturday night, but give give some folks out there the opportunity to. Uh, some reasons more than just the great hockey to come out and see. I know you got always have something going on there, but what's going on this weekend? Uh, well, Friday night we'll be um, auctioning off our white Arizona third jerseys, uh, the ones with a little cactus there in the corner. So um, we're going to be doing a jersey auction at the end of the game Friday. Uh, if, you, if it's something you want, you just go up to the booster club, put down a silent auction. Um, then after the game, the player will come off and literally give it off his back to you and um, do pictures and whatever um, and so we've got that going on and then obviously Saturday is uh, is senior night we've also we're, we're doing free tickets to students here this weekend we want to fill the place we want it to be loud um, you know I think you're going to test this Scott this is a really interesting weekend in particular because between the two um, rivals here even though it's been a long-standing intense rivalry it's been interesting and historically you know, ASU was really good when we weren't. We got good, and they, and they dropped off a little bit. So it's kind of nice to see two teams with something to play for at this time of year. I think it's going to benefit both of us heading into March. Um, but, you know, I think you could make the case that in all the 30, 40 years of hockey with ASU and UA, this is probably the biggest weekend we, that, that there is, uh, just because there's so much on the line for both teams. Yeah, and for Arizona State, uh, I mean, obviously, if, if you guys need any more motivation, you have an opportunity, depending on how the weekend goes, to maybe – Maybe they, depending on how they do this weekend, whether they get a spot in the tournament or in the national tournament stuff. So that's kind of maybe give you a little bit of extra sense of motivation that you have an opportunity to maybe knock them out of that, that top 18 or so that will end up getting in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're focused on us right now. We, we Again, they swept us in our ice. So that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Um, we're certainly hungry. Uh, we, we've got, we feel like we've got something to prove in that regard. We've had a very focused week of practice. 
Um, you know, I'll let them sweat out whether or not they make the tournament. I'm, I'm certainly not going to make my program better by hoping bad on theirs. So, um, you know, is it not a little added incentive for some guys? I, I, I imagine so. Uh, but, you know, all our talk has been on our preparation, our adjustments, um, our game plan. Um, you know, we've gotten that. We pretty much put that to bed here today in our early morning practice. And tomorrow will be a nice pace day. And then, and then the focus just on us. Coach, before we let you go, I want to uh, touch just a little bit about the rankings. I, I know every time I bring that up, it's kind of like a punch in the gut because we never really understand how they go. We know it's computerized, and especially early in the year, we never know how they're going to come out. But, you know, when I talk about the Desert Southwest, and I was telling Stephen when you and I talked uh, the very first year that you were at uh, the University of Arizona, and, and we were looking at the programs and how fast they would build it's built so quickly and when I look down and I see uh, you guys at 23 four and three I see UNLV at uh, 19 13 and one and then Arizona State at 23 nine and one with a few games left to go I mean there's a, a really good chance that we could have three teams here in the desert southwest in, in ACHA D1 hockey with more than 22 wins yeah two and uh, three very good teams I mean um, I you know, UNLV always gives us an unbelievable battle. That, that team's as good as anybody with their speed, skill, and size. Um, they're a handful. We, we felt fortunate to get out of there with a split last week, last time we were there um, in, a, in two hard-fought games, which were great for our preparation. And then, obviously, Arizona State's um, always a tough game. Um, they've added a lot of good talent this year with Lackey and Plurg and um, uh, Bronson Moore always gives us fits. Uh, you know, they, they got a lot of good players there, so... Um, honestly, we like it. It's a lot more fun than it was last year for us. We're a competitive group. We, you know, we want to be challenged, and I think it's better for both of our organizations that we're doing so. And, um, I think we'll both be better as a result. But uh, it, it is really special to see, you know, and then you got, you know, obviously Greg there with his ASU team in the top 10 there in the NCAA last I checked. Um, it's just awesome to see the growth and development. Uh, you know, as much as we don't like ASU, I, I took it as a badge of pride when it was for a stretch there in conference standings. It was, you, you know, Arizona and Arizona State 1 and 2. Um, how about it? Not bad for a bunch of guys out in the desert, huh? Yeah, exactly. When, and Steve and I were talking also about the fact that UNLV and Grand Canyon are going to be joining your conference. And if we could just get NAU to make that jump as well, how sweet would that be to have all those teams right in your own backyard? Yeah, it's not. It's not been for a lack of an open invite, so it's really up to them. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we'd love to. We used to have good rivalry games uh, with them too, uh, for a stretch. Uh, but uh, we'd certainly love to see them take that step. I think they're they're capable of it. They've got a good organization there, and um, it would only help to strengthen uh, hockey in the area here. Well, before we let you go, I'll just let you know that I'll be down there uh, Friday night for sure to see you guys and and, and see what we can uh, what we can muster up. U of A hockey is uh, is definitely on the rise, and uh, I know you don't want to peak too soon because you want to get in that national tournament and do some damage this year. Yeah, it's time. It's time though. It's time to click. It's time to climb. Um, we're excited about the opportunity, and uh, you know, obviously, from a fan perspective, I, I don't know how it gets much bigger than this. It should be a great weekend. Coach, thanks for stepping in with us uh, as we talked on a Wednesday night. I know you got a couple of days left, but uh, you know, let's see your best foot forward or best skate forward, as it would be. Whatever it takes. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Have a good night. Thanks for having me. Good night. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks, bud. All right, Stephen, you had a chance to, uh, to hear the thoughts of uh, Coach Chad Berman down at the University of Arizona. And, uh, you know, basically the rivalry, just you can't even, you can't even speak to it unless you've seen it. 
Because like he says, there will be four or 5,000 uh, fans in that building. They, they're giving out free tickets to students, so there's no reason for a student not to go. They've got the home ice, if you will, in the evening, which is hard for them to get sometimes because of the uh, the AHL team in, in Tucson. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to being there. But like I said, you know, we also got to keep our eyes on, on UNLV because three more wins from them is 22. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Yes, it will be a very, very fun weekend. Uh Yep, you got UNLV in Colorado, and then uh, and then Arizona and Arizona State. So, um, it's this is like the last push, the last hurrah, if you want to say before. Uh, of course, everybody, we wait and see where the final seedings and stuff happens for the national tournament. And yeah, for UNLV, they they get a they get a chance to to continue to make the push and get three more wins. And then, of course, Arizona and Arizona State. And for Arizona State, obviously, the motivation of the Cactus Cup is probably motivation in itself but for them they really these two games are very important for them because after they they lost a lot of and UNLV you know they had the the big losses there they dropped quite a bit and then they had the good weekend in 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 Utah and put them back in 17 and stuff and then now against Arizona if they can win one or both those games against Arizona depending on how they do that they might climb up a few more spots so uh, we'll see UNLV you know is right at 13 and the teams that are ahead of them are all really good teams so I mean, I don't know how much more further UNLV can go, but if they really dominate through the three games this weekend, they might they might be able to sneak into one of those top 12 spots, which would make them only have to play the first game on the Saturday of the tournament, not have to play those first couple of days, where which is something that they were kind of wanting to avoid um, this season. So, yeah, those we'll playing those playing games can be brutal, uh, especially if you get you know, and like in the University of Arizona's case last year, they got the very last game of the opening round. So they go all the way out to uh, to Dallas, play the very last game of the opening round, come up short, and they're basically their season is over that, that night. So you drive all the way out, then you drive all the way back, which is uh, kind of a different scenario in, in hockey because I, I talk with people a lot about this. You know, all season long you're playing one, two, three game stretches, sometimes three games in, in three nights. But most of the time, you're going to play a series, right? You're going to play two games. You get into this tournament, and it's one and done, literally. If you lose, you're out. Yeah, that's, yeah, and and one thing with the with UNLV, you know, even though they they want to avoid playing that that first game or whatever, it they did win it the, those two years, and so it gave them a chance to to say that they won a game, and then they would play the next day. Now, the the, the flip side of that is that they have played. They played first of all. They had like a 10 a.m. game Central Time, so 8 a.m. Las Vegas time. So they get there <laughs> the day before, real early. And then they have one day practice, and they have to play early the next day. Now they practice at seven in the morning, and so that's so they're kind of used to that. But still playing, up, getting in a game mode, your routine, you know, warm ups, all that stuff. You know, there's a root, hockey players have a lot of routine in there, so having to play early in the day is probably you know really throws your that off. And then you know the next day they win that first game, and then the next day they play a team that hasn't played and they're rested, they're refreshed. You know, they put everything they probably could to, to beat the a team that, you know, they had a fight with. And now they have to play the next the next day and play a team that hasn't played yet. And sometimes that can be an advantage, but most of the times it's probably a disadvantage. And in the last two years, it was Ohio, who they have a hard time with generally, and, and they came up short both times. So, you know, this year, they you know, get to the top 12, 
you're going to play not until the Saturday, and but you're going to be likely playing a team that's going to be a bit higher than you, but both teams will be kind of on an evil playing field, I guess, in regards to rest and to what you come into and yeah you might have a you might have a chance and then if you win one then you only get two and three but you know it's it's it depends you know you can look at it both ways there's benefits and disadvantages um however high you can get is obviously the better the higher you can get the better it is for you for your team but um i think just getting into the tournament itself is an achievement but for unlv now that's not good enough they their goal is to want to really contend and win a title at the ACHA level, and so they have to take that next step. Okay, they're good enough to get into the tournament. Okay, now they, they've won a game in the tournament. Okay, but now they want to go further than that, and so they have an opportunity to do that, um, you know, this year. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think that in December we were looking at this team and thinking that they would be in this position that they are right now, but because they had such a strong second half and, and they really made that push and, you know, how the way the rankings work and everything, and they're – they're right there to make right where they've been kind of the last couple of seasons. You know, last season they were up high, then they had a kind of a rough series against Stony Brook in New York to kind of end things and dropped them down to where 13. This year they were kind of down and had to kind of climb up to, to good, but maybe that's better. Maybe you're, you're playing your best hockey this time of year instead of having such a strong first half and then having whatever in semester break and then, you know, they're kind of struggling in that second half. They've kind of had to adjust from a little bit of a rough first half to now playing their best hockey uh, this time of year. So, Well, I can tell you firsthand, I, I get a chance to see, obviously, ASU and, and U of A a little bit more than I do UNLV, but I can tell you the, uh, the fan support has been growing down here in the desert southwest for our club programs, as well as the ASU women's team, which is on their way to Utah in the morning to uh, begin their quest to try to get to a national tournament. But ACHA D2 hockey is still thriving as well. There's programs that, like I said, Northern Arizona University, Grand Canyon, Arizona State, and then, of course, up and down California and Oregon, there's, there's teams out there as well. And, and then in the D1 level, we still have the Colorados and Utah. And so the hockey is really starting to grow at the club level. And I always like to give a shout-out to these guys playing club hockey because it's not easy, right? I mean, it's hard to play the sport as it is but when you got to go to school and then figure out a way to pay for for your uh your hockey and everything else as well i mean hats off to these guys for for what they do week in and week out and give a shout out to some of you guys up at, at unlv i you know the first one right off the top of my head comes like boss Asaf and and uh, eric williams and and guys like that that uh have been there and struggled the first couple of years and now are starting to reap some of the benefits yeah, yeah, they they've been uh, they've been huge. Obviously, uh, Boss Asaf has uh, been with UNLV for for four years, and and he he's gonna be back for another season. Uh, so he'll be have he'll have one more season. But you know, he he achieved the one hundred point milestone against the Arizona State games, and uh, talked with him after those games that weekend. And you know, he talked about how he had never gotten um, fifty points in his career anywhere, and so the fact that in four years he was able to get to 100 points was uh was quite an achievement and the fact that he did scoring a goal which he admitted that he doesn't do very often was was really rewarding and of course his parents are are a big help to the program too and they're at every game home and away games they they travel they they're in california but they come up to, to vegas or to wherever they're playing every weekend they've they've, they've a big part of it and that's a lot of the and that and a lot of the, the parents are, are help 
are helping that way. Obviously, as you said, the players they have to pay to to play in with these uh, club teams, and so you know it's a it's a big investment, but it just shows you the the commitment and and their dedication to to doing that to want to try to help a, a program like UNLV or to help their their hockey career and and it's great that we have platforms like like ours or you know when we when teams stream the games and stuff it gives people a chance to to watch and 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 to see these teams in action that's what's great about the technology we have these days is there's always um streams now for a lot of these teams where you know it's it's sometimes tough to to find good access to some hockey teams but you know and it's good hockey to watch you know if you go to games at UNLV or down in Arizona or wherever it's it's a lot of really good hockey and and you know obviously Vegas we have a lot of hockey options we're going to be getting more options obviously but but UNLV is still a great product we had great crowds last weekend uh, against Oakland to finish off the the regular season and at home and it's uh it's it's really it's really exciting and and that's all really helpful we we need people to to come to the games and support these guys because they do put a lot of time and a lot of energy at, at, at their own expense in a lot of in, in most cases and and it's just it it really when you think about it it really is an impressive um impressive uh feat for sure you know when when i think about that i also think about when i grew up it was like ncaa division one there was a division two for a little while and then ncaa division three stuck around and now when I talk to some of these players that are making the transition from NCAA Division Three to ACHA D1, and I, I always like to ask them, what's the difference or why would you make this move or whatever? And they almost all to a man tell me that the competition now is so strong at the ACHA level that they're happy to make that transition. It's it's kind of strange. Yeah, it seems like the the level of competition, as you mentioned, is better at the ACHA level than the NCAA Division Two or Three level. We have uh, Kirk Underwood, who's first year with UNLV. He came from an NCAA Division Three program, and and I, you know, he kind of shared why he, he comes playing for UNLV, and he just, uh, you know, he loves being a part of this team. It's it's you get more opportunity, I guess, but you have to. It's yeah, it's really it's really incredible to, to the fact that that they're able to. Uh, compete with the NCAA level um, and especially division two and division three and and that they're able to almost in some cases produce better hockey games and better better yeah, uh, enjoyment enjoyment than than those NCAA lower levels well the other thing that the coaches tell me too is that when they're recruiting players that that may be considering NCAA division three or ACHA D1 they'll use the fact that hey you can come to UNLV or Arizona or Arizona State, go to a big university with a lot of opportunities, a lot of different um, major options, and still play good quality hockey. I know ASU had the 128 or so guys trying out for their program this year, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that they wanted to be a part of the uh, Arizona State family, hockey family. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I agree with that. And we look at UNLV too, and and we we get people that want to tr they want to try out every year, and and it's just amazing what they're, the 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 depth that they're able to to get the talent they're able to go, and 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 a lot of these programs are run 
the way they run them is almost like an NCA type program. Just the way they they re they recruit and just the way they they operate the all the stuff. You know, they obviously have to cooperate with the the school and the and the club department. You know, that use that term loosely because that's they're still technically club sporty. But as you said, a lot of the coaches they don't like to use that that term. They think of themselves as is more than that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it amazes me every, every week to, to see that and, and, and how much work they put in, um, to, to achieve their goals. All right. So we've got a good handle on club hockey and what's going on right there. Uh, we got a little time left, so I want to pick your brain a little bit on what you saw from the Vegas Golden Knights over the last couple of weeks and leading up to the trade deadline on Monday. Um, I don't know that there was a team, that acquired more for giving away less than the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it um, it amazes me that uh, this, this this organization has been really good the last couple of years. Uh, you know, even going back to the expansion draft, which we talked a little bit about. You know, last week we were talking about the fact that they 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 stockpiled all these these draft picks and and. They got some really good good prospects, and they got some, obviously some really good players in the expansion draft. They made deals with teams to not take this player. We'll give you this player and the draft pick, and and I mean, I mean, it was just kind of happened with 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 Theodore and others. It's it's like it's quite a it's quite amazing what with McPhee and them are done. Of course, now George uh, Kelly McCrimmon is kind of in charge of the general manager stuff, but of course George McPhee is still involved, and they have all these picks, and and they're able to give up picks to get players. They and then. Then they get a player, and then or they give up a player, and they they get more picks. That maybe isn't. <laughs> you look you look at somebody like uh, they one thing they they figured they needed was a goaltender, and they got that. They gave up. They traded Subban and and some draft picks, and they got somebody like Robin Leonard, who's uh, an established uh, number one goalie, and now you got Flurry and Leonard in in net for Vegas, and and that's great you know they they talk about needing something in the playoffs because if something were to happen to Flurry, they didn't feel like Subban would be the one that could get him to the end and Subban of course has, has had his moments here with Vegas he's had some great runs but obviously uh, they felt like he wasn't going to be the guy going forward and for Subban this is probably a, a good opportunity for him because you know he will go to Chicago and, and will may, may get more of an opportunity to to play in net and to refine his game and stuff so it'll be a uh, Good for for Subban, and you know the Golden Knights dealt Cody Eakin away to Winnipeg and got some draft picks. And you had to clear up some some cap space, so it was always trying to tinker with that and everything. And and then they pick up uh, you know this guy like Alec Martinez uh, just before the trade deadline. And what did they give up? They only gave up the draft picks. So right. pretty much. So that's that's what's amazing to me, and that they stockpiled all those draft picks from the last few years and they use them as as use them to get these these great players and and to get to only get only get better so that's a testament to how they the, they've done things so far in their in their history well here's what i think is really interesting and i think we'll see this out here in a year or so but seattle is coming in as a new franchise just like vegas are they going to be able to do exactly what vegas did and be that competitive that quickly or was this an anomaly with the golden knights and just the fact that george mcphee is is a wizard. He's got a plan. He had a plan laid out. He uh, worked that plan. And then, of course, the players that he got performed. You see a guy like William Carlson scoring 
more goals than he'd ever done before. And, and, and guys like Shea Theodore stepping up. And of course, when you get a goaltender and you can backbone it with Mark Andre Fleury and the, the backing of the community and all that stuff, it's going to be interesting to see what Seattle can bring to the table on that same token. You know as well as I do that uh, the AHL is coming into to Vegas and they're going to be over at the Orleans for at least a year. But also the next year we're going to get uh, AHL hockey in Palm Springs. So this little uh, triangle that we're forming between uh, Vegas, Palm Springs, and Tucson is going to be kind of exciting for minor league hockey as much as NHL hockey. Minor league hockey, yeah, absolutely. And and. It's going to be real, real fun for people here in Vegas because people have become so hockey uh, crazed here with with the Golden Knights, but they can't afford to to go to a game. There's going to be an option for them now to go to AHL and see some really good hockey. And I think the team has already had over five thousand season ticket deposits for the AHL team. And where they're going to play at the Orleans, will have about seven thousand eight hundred. And then when they build the the facility they're planning on building out in Henderson, I think they're planning for that to be around 6,000 or so seats. So um, it sounds like to me the AHL team will will be packed most nights too, just like the, the NHL is. So that um, so it's going to be great. And the, and the level of competition for the AHL is, is great. It's it's, trip, it's essentially AAA of hockey, right? And and you'll have a lot of players, the, the prospects within the goal that you pick up are going to play and they're going to be fighting for for roster spots and then when it comes time to call a player up to the, the big club it'll be easier for that front with drive them across and town basically right <laughs> right unless unless they're on the road at the time then of course a little bit more involved but but yeah i mean it's it's going to be it's going to be great and i i think it's it's going to help build a relationship of of uh of hockey within within las vegas and southern nevada and certainly palm springs and and, and Seattle, that'll be a little bit more of a of a travel there, but not not too bad. So, you know, and when I think taking this around full circle again back to UNLV, uh, with with the Orleans putting in ice for what 35, 40 games, something like that, without including playoffs, is that going to open up some opportunity in your mind to where maybe UNLV can sneak over there a couple more times a season? Uh, more than likely, yes. I think the they were already planning on maybe this was because. Maybe they already were, other things were being worked out, but I, I think they're already planning on doing a few games there next year. I think maybe even three or four games. So they, and the, and now we know that the 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 AHL team will play there at least tempor- temporarily. And so when the ice is down and when UNLV's or when the American Hockey League team is not there, then UNLV may get more a couple more cracks at playing at the the Orleans. The ice may be in better condition than it was this time and didn't have you know it was I guess in the best of shapes it's been a while since they've done hockey there so but yeah I mean it's it's gonna be great and maybe it'll be good too with the partnership between the American Hockey League team and the and the and the UNLV they can they can kind of maybe promote cross promote each other we'll we'll see how that I don't know but uh, yeah I mean it's they'll, they'll get more opportunity to, to, to play there maybe I'm sure and I think they're already planning on on doing at least a couple more games there next season if not maybe even three or four games so uh, because City National is, is great and they, and they love playing there and the crowds are great. But to be able to play in a, a little bit of a bigger facility, you get more seats you can try to sell and to, and to, to have more of a great, great atmosphere 
crowd, yeah. obviously. Yeah, so yeah. And when, and when we talk atmosphere, uh, Vegas, it's no secret, put in a bid for the NCAA Frozen Four coming up here in the next five years or so. Uh, bids will be announced a little later on, but we know that they did put in a bid, and that, and they are one of the, the groups that really wants to bring NCAA Frozen Four hockey to Vegas. You've had a chance to see some of the, the teams that have come in, and uh, is Vegas ready now? Are they are they poised to uh, put on a real show for NCAA hockey? I think so. I, I'm. I mean, you went to the uh, the, the Fortress Invitational uh, this past season. I went to it a couple years ago. I think when Arizona State was was uh, involved in it and just was there doing this doing some stuff and. And uh, the crowds weren't really all that great, but it was the first season, and, and it looked like the the crowd was was okay this last year. But I think if you get more people to, to I think with the Golden Knights being being a part of it, certainly uh, got a little bit more more attention and more notoriety behind it. But um, yeah, I think if uh, Vegas is obviously equipped to do college events, we we've seen them do basketball tournaments, and those can do. Could do pretty well, and 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 the and uh, other other big events. We got the you know the bowl games here and college sports. Um, so I think get, trying to get a, a frozen a four here, or, or at least a regional thing, which is something that they've talked that I think they've been put a bid in for too, at least to host a regional thing, which would be at the Orleans, and I guess UNLV would be the sponsor school for that. So um, yeah, I think it would be. It would be cool, and it's certainly something that can be done. I think we we we've talked about before. I think the biggest thing was the was the gambling thing, but you know the the NCA was down on that, but now that that's been kind of lifted uh, because of the gambling now kind of being um, the sports betting being allowed almost across you know across the country now. Right. That it that's not really an issue anymore. So that gives Las Vegas a chance, and I don't think it's only a matter of time before Vegas gets something like that. Um, I think we've seen. Again, with how successful the Golden Knights have been, they see uh, T-Mobile Arena and how great of a facility it is to play hockey and for basketball too. When they do the the Pac-12 tournament, when they do college basketball there. It's just a great venue for sports, and and so I think having a a Frozen Four there would be would be great. Or even if it starts out for just a regional thing, where a place like the Orleans, or if the Henderson thing gets built, and they could they could do something there or both places or wherever. So I mean, it's. The, the possibilities are endless as the as things continue to, to develop here and and the hockey continues to be built, grow here and and everything that goes around it. Okay, so before we let you go, we're going to let you talk a little bit about the great uncle and, and the big sports fan that he was. But before we get to that, we got about six minutes or so. So tell me, tell everybody out there, if, if you're not familiar with Henderson and Vegas and the location of everything, there's... There's a dual rink going up right now as we speak in Henderson. Uh, I think it's life lifeguard rink or whatever they call it. Yeah, li- tell, lifeguard tell, arena. Lifeguard arena, right? Okay, so tell people a little bit about the proximity to these locations. If you're not familiar, you go to Vegas and you drive right through Henderson. If you come from Arizona, and, and maybe you don't realize where everything is, so kind of lay things out for us. Where are these uh, arenas going to be, if you know? Uh, well, in relation to to the Las Vegas, I I think we'll we'll look at kind of everything from the uh, 
Las Vegas Strip. And as I talk to you, because i uh, got my bearings here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up on the map here on my computer. And, or my I kind of threw you a curveball on this one, so yeah, I apologize you didn't, for that. Yeah, you didn't even, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's okay. Um, so if we look at it from relation to the, to the Strip, from the Las Vegas Strip, which is kind of everybody is familiar with, and you look at the place like... Uh, Henderson. So let me uh, just do this here, because the first the, the where the arena where the uh, lifeguard arena is going to go, it's going to be on on Water Street, which is um, Water Street District. So let me pull that up here, and that is about uh, twenty five minutes from the Strip. Okay. Um, out in out in Henderson, it's um, um, out there by cause uh, kind of on the way out to uh, the Boulder City. If you were to take the 215 and the um 93 or whatever towards the if you were going out towards um boulder city and hoover dam um you would kind of be out it's out kind of out out that way henderson's and from summerland it would be even further it's probably about 30 or, or 40 minutes from from summerland so it's kind of on the opposite of the town you got the you've got the las vegas strip and, and the kind of the central there and then about you go up north you've got north las vegas but then you kind of got uh red rock and summerlin area which is where the golden knights uh facility is city national the red rock casino uh the new las vegas ballpark that's out there um, and then henderson's kind of the opposite direction it's it's kind of uh southward kind of well maybe not quite as south because it's more it's more east but it's anyways so it's about 20 and then where the uh, the arena is going to go, it's uh, it's going to go on the supposedly the proposal is going to go on the side of what's called the Henderson Pavilion, which was a little outdoor uh, venue that was used for uh, concerts and little outdoor gatherings and stuff. And and I guess it's it hasn't really been. We had a big windstorm come through, I guess, a while back. We get those all the time, but it really, uh, I guess, it did a number on the the outside thing, and it hasn't really been used much. And it's kind of an older facility and 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 they're looking i guess at ways to kind of maybe redo that and stuff and 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 you look at the space around it there's there's some definitely some space um it's kind of in a neighborhood though and there's been some some people there's going to be some meetings on on exactly the plans for it and and give the people around there a chance to, to voice them so it, i mean there's there's some concern among some of the residents around there that uh, when people go out for for hockey and other events too i mean they're going to try to do concerts there and other things that it's going to be um tricky getting there the a traffic a, issue i'm sure there's, right? not a, there's not a lot of parking uh necessarily around because i mean there is right now but the the arena obviously is going to end the, the building will end up taking more space than what just the the pavilion part took up but um but they'll they're pretty close to e each other in regards to where the the facility is i, I think well the the the, the arena is closer to where they're going to put the arena if that's where it ends up being will be closer to the strip than the than the other place will be but they're they're pretty close proximity to each other but but henderson's got such a big big population in itself that it's going to be a great asset for them for those that that do want to play that, that, that desire to play hockey that have to right now travel to city national which is getting really really crowded it's almost every minute of the day there's always something going on in there so it's going to be great for for that too because there won't be as many people needing to go to henderson to do certain things or go to uh, summerland to do as many things they can do it at lifeguard arena in, in henderson and then and then yeah and then so that'll be good for that and then people then 
and Henderson won't have to travel there. Or they won't have to go to the, the arenas, the rinks in, in within the city that have been around for for a while already. So, um, so it'll be good for them to have their own to have their own base to do a lot of things. And I'm sure it's going to be packed with a lot of hockey uh, events going on there, just like City National has become. All right, I'll give you a minute just to collect your thoughts, and I'll tell everybody that UNLV is uh, on their way to uh, Colorado to play three day, three games in three nights and the big rivalry series for ASU at the University of Arizona. Stephen, tell us a little bit about the great uncle that you lost so suddenly on Monday night and, and talk about his sports fandom. Well, he so he, he was a big uh, sports fan. He really liked uh, baseball and, um, and hockey. Everybody... Around the family, pretty much, you know, he referred to him as, as Uncle Jim. So that's that's how a lot of us uh, knew him, uh, Jim Irwin. And he he really loved baseball. He was a Dodgers fan. He he was a Kings fan for for hockey. He kind of um, got on, kind of razzed me a little bit when Golden Knights came in. And you know, I became a I became a Golden Knights guy. I was a, I would follow the Ducks before the Golden Knights came. So I I left my allegiance for the Ducks to the Golden Knights and. He always wondered, why did you change allegiances and stuff? I said, well, because, you know, I'm from Vegas and, you know, I grew up in Vegas and we have our own team now and we get on board. And, you know, he, he was still a Kings fan and that's that's fine because he's, he's has been a lot of ties to Southern California. He lived there, of course, he's been here a lot. But, um, you know, it, it he was certainly a part of me, I think, really loving sports and hockey. We he we had we got our ECHL team here that the Las Vegas Wranglers and they started playing at the the Orleans which was a brand new facility at that time he uh, it was a volunteer thing but he he was got to do help with the off ice stuff you know he would maybe do the penalty box or do the do this 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 the door to to come in and out of the ice or maybe help with the scorekeeping or whatever the the case may be they had a little crew that would do that and he pretty much did that for uh, all the years that they were there and even he lived here and then he he moved to to victorville and that was about a couple hours away and he would even come up for some of the games during the weekends when they had a weekend set he'd make the drive up here for that so he, he loved coming up here for that and um so i i though he didn't get paid for doing that but he would usually each each of the the off-ice staff got a couple tickets to the game so so he would always get us tickets to go and I, I I went to almost every game for um, more games as I got older I was about 13 or 14 when they started playing so um, so I got to go see hockey up in person and, and up close and personal and really started to really develop a love for for hockey and 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 for sports I kind of liked sports a little bit growing up but I think being able to go to as many games of, of when I did and and he was able to do that and we talked sports a lot and go back and forth um he was certainly a big part of me being able to i think really love being around and, and being able to talk sport or talk sports or, or be able to follow sports and 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 root for for teams and uh and so it it hit me hard uh you know just how everything kind of happened so so fast but it just kind of puts life into perspective about how um how quick life can be and we you know even you know just and how fast life goes and just you know if we don't cherish every every moment that we have you know it's 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 really it's really uh something that you put things in, into perspective and, and you have to you have to understand how how important it is to to love your your family members and and just 
never take anything for for granted because you know that monday you know it was a, a normal day i went to work and you know my grandmother who i'm with and 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 him they went out and had fun and then they came, we came back we went met, met up for dinner and um came back and then he just started not feeling good and then and then within quick you know he was he had had a heart attack and paramedics came and tried to revive him went to the hospital and they really couldn't uh was really no hope at that point and and it just happened all so fast and i think that was the hardest part about it just kind of seeing it all go down so fast i've had family members die and, and you know he, he he had prostate cancer he was in remission from that so he was so he he had that but you know I, this was just kind of unexpected because he was he was going well with that but with the prostate cancer so the fact that a heart attack's what took him and it went happened so fast was just a shock but but you look at the memories and you start to think about the, the memories and the impact and that somebody has on your life when when somebody passes away it's it makes you it makes you feel uh thankful and appreciative of, of those times for sure but uh, yeah he will be missed there is a lot of people that that loved him and stuff and uh and um i'm sure he'll he'll enjoy being back up in in heaven with uh, his parents and other family members that he hasn't seen in a while so that's that's always a positive well, very well said. I know he's uh, very proud of you. I want to thank you for, for coming on because I know this is a, a tough week for you and appreciate you following through and helping me out with this because this is a, a big time for hockey too and I'm sure he understands the fact that uh, your love for the game is something that he instilled in you and and he probably would want nothing nothing less than for you to continue to, to, to forge forward. But Again, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family as uh, as you go through these these tough times. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks to head coach Chad Berman for uh, the University of Arizona for joining us. And next week, Stephen, we'll have a lot more to talk about because all the regular season stuff will be over with. The tournament will be starting to set itself up. And next Wednesday night, you and I will have a lot to chat about. Yeah, there will be a lot to lot to go over. Uh, as you mentioned, we'll know we'll know where the yes. Uh, the rankings or the uh, tournament field will be set and then we'll be able to kind of start breaking some of that down and then and then uh check in with with unlv and stuff try to get out to a practice of, of theirs next week after everything's kind of out there and see what they feel about that and and start putting up some stuff together for that and uh, and just prepare because there'll be about two you know it's kind of interesting this year it doesn't seem like cause there's much of a gap i remember i think last well, I mean, it's about a couple of weeks, but it seems like the tournament maybe is a week earlier than, than before. I don't know. I can't remember when it was last year, but um, it's about a couple of weeks or so uh, to prepare for the tournament. So we'll be able to have some time to really break things down and hopefully, hopefully get everybody well, ready for the tournament. And then hopefully we'll be we'll be there in person in uh, in Dallas to, to break that it down. That would be fantastic. So that's, that's our goal, folks. There's still plenty of room to jump on our bandwagon <laughs> and uh, and help us get there and bring this coverage to you. Uh, as we leave you tonight, I do want to thank our sponsors, Sprint, College Bar and Grill, Roger Klein's uh, Cassione Tequila, uh, our friends at OxyPow, our friends up in Vegas at Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Steven, I know that's a hot spot. Uh, every time you get a chance to get up to Jesse Ray's Barbecue, great food and uh, even better people. Uh, our friends at M-Drive, the Ice Den, Scottsdale and Chandler, Behind the Mask uh, Hockey Shop, and uh, Oceanside Ice Arena. As well as, I always want to give a shout out to our uh, our programs at ASU. Uh, ACHA has done a great job of bringing us on board, and as well as UNLV, and as well as uh, U of A for uh, for.
for helping us and jumping on board whenever we ask. So thanks to everybody that helps us put it on. Thanks to you, Steve and Marsh, for, uh, for stepping in, like I said, under a very difficult circumstance for you this week. And let's uh, look forward to happier and better times next week. Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll continue to to uh, talk hockey and uh, and to do something that you know will make people happy and enjoy. And you know, talking hockey is always fun, and we we'll look forward to to doing it again next this time next week. All right. The final reminder for you, folks: if you want to tune in to any of our three weekly podcasts, it's Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, Monday night, seven thirty Mountain Standard Time. And, of course, College Hockey Southwest Weekly, our NCAA coverage on Tuesday nights at 7.30. And, of course, join Stephen and I guess next week and, and every week on Wednesday night at 7.30 as we talk ACHA club hockey on Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. For Scott Strandy here in, uh, in Scottsdale and Stephen Marsh up in Las Vegas, have a great evening. See you next week. Later, everybody. Have a good, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011.